We now pass to the class of stories in which one of several brothers succeeds in some undertaking, where the others fail, and thereby draws down on himself the hatred of the others, who either abandon him in a cavern, or kill him and hide his body, which is afterwards discovered by a musical instrument made of one of the bones, or of the reeds growing over the grave. The former treatment is illustrated by a Sicilian tale, Petray number 80, called... 7. The Cistern There were once three king's sons. Two of them were going hunting one day, and did not want to take their youngest brother with them. Their mother asked them to let him go with them, but they would not. The youngest brother, however, followed them, and they had to take him with them. They came to a beautiful plain, where they found a fine cistern, and ate their lunch near it. After they had finished, the oldest said, Let us throw our youngest brother into the cistern, for we cannot take him with us. Then he said to his brother, Salvatore, would you like to descend into this cistern, for there is a treasure in it? The youngest consented, and they lowered him down. When he reached the bottom, he found three handsome rooms and an old woman, who said to him, What are you doing here? I am trying to find my way out. Tell me how to do it. The old woman answered, There are here three princesses in the power of the magician. Take care. Never mind. Tell me what to do. I am not afraid. Knock at that door. He did so, and a princess appeared. What has brought you here? I have come to liberate you. Tell me what I have to do. Take this apple and pass through that door. My sister is there, who can give you better directions than I can. She gave him the apple as a token. He knocked at that door. Another princess appeared, who gave him a pomegranate for a remembrance, and directed him to knock at a third door. It opened, and the last princess appeared. Ah, Salvatore, for she knew who he was. What have you come for? I have come to liberate you. Tell me what to do. She gave him a crown and said, Take this. When you are in need, say, I command, I command, and the crown will obey you. Now enter and eat. Take this bottle. The magician, you see, is about rising. Hide yourself behind this door, and when he awakens, he will ask you, What are you here for? You will answer, I have come to fight you. But you must agree to take smaller horse and sword than mine, because I am smaller than you. You will see there a fountain, which will invite you to drink. Do not risk it, for all the statues you see there are human beings who have become statues drinking that water. When you are thirsty, drink secretly from this bottle. With these directions, the youth went and knocked at the door. Just then, the magician arose and said, What are you here for? I have come to fight with you. And he added what the princess had told him. The fountain invited him to drink, but he would not. They began to fight, and at the first blow, 
the youth cut off the magician's head. He took the head and sword and went to the princesses and said, Get your things together and let us go, for my brothers are still waiting at the mouth of the cistern. Let us now return to the brothers. After they had lowered their youngest brother into the cistern, they turned around and went back to the royal palace. The king asked, Where is your brother? We lost him in a wood and could not find him. Quick, said the king, go and find my son, or I will have your heads cut off. So they departed, and on their way found a man with a rope and a bell, and took them with them. When they reached the cistern, they lowered the rope with the bell, saying among themselves, If he is alive, he will hear the bell and climb up. If he is dead, what shall we do with our father? When they lowered the rope, Salvatore made the princesses ascend one by one. As the first appeared, who was the oldest, the oldest brother said, Oh, what a pretty girl. This one shall be my wife. When the second appeared, the other brother said, This is mine. The youngest princess did not wish to ascend and said to Salvatore, You go up, Salvatore, first. If you do not, your brothers will leave you here. He said he would not. She said he must. Finally, he prevailed and she ascended. When she appeared, the two brothers took her and left Salvatore in the cistern and returned to the palace. When they arrived there, they said to their father, We have looked for Salvatore, but we could not find him. But we have found these three young girls, and now we wish to marry them. I, said the oldest brother, will take this one. And I, said the second, take this one. The other sister we will marry to some other youth. Now let us return to Salvatore, who, when he found himself alone and disconsolate, felt in his pockets and touched the apple. Oh, my apple, get me out of this place. And at once he found himself out of the cistern. He went to the city where he lived and met a silversmith who took him as an apprentice, feeding and clothing him. While he was with the silversmith, the king commanded the latter to make a crown for his oldest son, who was to be married. You must make me a royal crown for my son, and tomorrow evening you must bring it to me. He gave him ten ounces and dismissed him. When he reached home, the silversmith was greatly disturbed, for he had such a short time to make the crown. Salvatore said, Grandfather, why are you so disturbed? The master replied, Take these ten ounces, for now I am going to seek refuge in a church, for there is nothing else for me to do. For in olden times, the church had the privilege that whoever robbed or killed fled to the church and they could not do anything with him. The apprentice replied, Now I will see if I can make this crown. My master would take refuge in a church for a trifle. So he began to make the crown. What did he do? He took out the apple and commanded it to make a very beautiful crown. He hammered away, but the apple made the crown. When it was finished, 
he gave it to the wife of the silversmith, who took it to her husband. When the latter saw that he need not flee to the church, he went to the king, who, well pleased, invited him to the feast in the evening. When he told this at home, the apprentice said, Take me to the feast. How can I take you when you have no clothes fit to wear? I will buy you some, and when there is another feast, I will take you. When it struck two, the silversmith departed, and Salvatore took the apple and said, Oh, my apple, give me clothes and carriages and footmen, for I am going to see my brother married. Immediately, he was dressed like a prince and went to the palace, where he hid in the kitchen, saw his brother married, and then took a big stick and gave the silversmith a sound beating. When the latter reached home, he cried, I am dying, I am dying. What is the matter? asked the apprentice. And when he learned what had happened, he said, If you had taken me with you to this feast, this would not have happened. A few days after, the king summoned the silversmith again to make another crown within 24 hours. Everything happened as before. The apprentice made a crown handsomer than the first, with the aid of the pomegranate. The smith took it to the king, but after the feast came home with his shoulders black and blue from the beating he received. After a time, they wanted to marry the third sister, but she said, Who wishes me must wait a year, a month, and a day. And she had no peace, wondering why Salvatore did not appear, for all he had the apple, the pomegranate, and the crown. After a year, a month, and a day, the wedding was arranged, and the smith had orders to make another crown, more beautiful than the first two. This was so that no one could say that because the young girl was a foreigner, they treated her worse than the others. Again, the smith was in despair, and the apprentice had to make, by the aid of his magic crown, a better and larger crown than the others. The king was astonished when he saw the beautiful crown, and again invited the silversmith to the feast. The smith returned home sorrowful, for fear that he should again receive a beating, but he would not take his apprentice with him. After Salvatore had seen him depart, he took his magic crown and ordered splendid clothes and carriages. When he reached the palace, he did not go to the kitchen, but before the bride and groom could say yes, Stop, said Salvatore. He took the apple and said, Who gave me this? I did replied the wife of the oldest brother. And this, showing the pomegranate. I, my brother-in-law, said the wife of the second brother. Then he took out the crown. Who gave me that? I, my husband, said the young girl, whom they were marrying. And at once she married Salvatore. For, said she, he freed me from the magician. The bridegroom was fooled and had to go away, and the astonished silversmith fell on his knees, begging for pity and mercy. In some of the versions of the above story, the hero, after he is abandoned by his brothers in the cistern or cave, is born into the upper world by an eagle. 
the rapacious bird on the journey demands from the young man flesh from time to time. At last, the stock of flesh with which he had provided himself is exhausted, and he is obliged to cut off and give the eagle a piece of his own flesh. In one version, Petre 2, page 208, he gives the eagle his leg, and when the journey is concluded, the bird casts it up, and the hero attaches it again to his body, and becomes as sound as ever. The class of stories in which the brother is killed, and his death made known by a musical instrument fashioned from his body, is sufficiently illustrated by a short Neapolitan story, Imbriani, Pomiglianesi, page 195, entitled 8. The Griffin There was once a king who had three sons. His eyes were diseased, and he called in a physician who said that to cure them, he needed a feather of the griffin. Then the king said to his sons, He who finds this feather for me shall have my crown. The sons set out in search of it. The youngest met an old man who asked him what he was doing. He replied, Papa is ill. To cure him, a feather of the griffin is necessary. And Papa has said that whoever finds the feather shall have his crown. The old man said, Well, here is some corn. When you reach a certain place, put it in your hat. The griffin will come and eat it. Seize him, pull out a feather, and carry it to Papa. The youth did so, and for fear that someone should steal it from him, he put it into his shoe, and started all joyful to carry it to his father. On his way he met his brothers, who asked him if he had found the feather. He said no, but his brothers did not believe him, and wanted to search him. They looked everywhere, but did not find it. Finally, they looked in his shoe and got it. Then they killed the youngest brother and buried him, and took the feather to their father, saying that they had found it. The king healed his eyes with it. A shepherd one day, while feeding his sheep, saw that his dog was always digging in the same place, and went to see what it was, and found a bone. He put it to his mouth and saw that it sounded and said, Shepherd, Keep me in your mouth, hold me tight, and do not let me go. For a feather of the griffin, my brother has played the traitor. My brother has played the traitor. One day, the shepherd, with this whistle in his mouth, was passing by the king's palace, and the king heard him and called him to see what it was. The shepherd told him the story and how he had found it. The king put it to his mouth. And the whistle said, Papa, Papa, keep me in your mouth, hold me tight, and do not let me go. For a feather of the griffin, my brother has played the traitor. My brother has played the traitor. Then the king put it in the mouth of the brother who had killed the youngest, and the whistle said, Brother, brother, keep me in your mouth, hold me fast, and do not let me go. For a feather of the griffin, you have played the traitor. You have played the traitor. Then the king understood the story, and had his two sons put to death. And thus they killed their brother, and afterwards were killed themselves.
The feminine counterpart of Boots, or the successful youngest brother, is Cinderella, the youngest of three sisters, who despise and ill-treat her. Her usual place is in the chimney corner, and her name is derived from the grime of cinders and ashes. Her name in German is Aschenputtel. Assisted by some kind fairy who appears in various forms, she reveals herself in her true shape, captivates the prince, who finally recognizes her by the slipper. There are two branches of this story, the one just mentioned, and one where the heroine assumes a repulsive disguise in order to escape the importunities of a father who wishes to marry her. This second branch may be distinguished by the name of Aller Leirau, the well-known grim story of this class. For the first branch of this story, we have selected a Florentine story, Novelaja Fior, page 151, called 9. Cinderella Once upon a time, there was a man who had three daughters. He was once ordered to go away to work and said to them, Since I am about making a journey, what do you want me to bring you when I return? One asked for a handsome dress, the other a fine hat and a beautiful shawl. He said to the youngest, And you, Cinderella, what do you want? They called her Cinderella because she always sat in the chimney corner. You must buy me a little bird, Verdelio. The simpleton. She does not know what to do with the bird. Instead of ordering a handsome dress, a fine shawl, she takes a bird. Who knows what she will do with it? Silence, she says. It pleases me. The father went, and on his return brought the dress, hat and shawl for the two sisters, and the little bird for Cinderella. The father was employed at the court, and one day the king said to him, I am going to give three balls. If you want to bring your daughters, do so. They will amuse themselves a little. As you wish, he replies, thanks, and accepts. He went home and said, What do you think, girls? His majesty wishes you to attend his ball. There, you see, Cinderella, if you had only asked for a handsome dress. This evening we are going to the ball. She replied, It matters nothing to me. You go. I am not coming. In the evening, when the time came, they adorned themselves, saying to Cinderella, Come along, there will be room for you too. I don't want to go. You go. I don't want to. But, said their father, let us go, let us go. Dress and come along. Let her stay. When they had gone, she went to the bird and said, O oh bird, Verdelio, make me more beautiful than I am. She became clothed in a sea-green dress, with so many diamonds that it blinded you to behold her. The bird made ready two purses of money, and said to her, Take these two purses, enter your carriage, and away. She set out for the ball, and left the bird, Verdelio, at home. She entered the ballroom. Scarcely had the gentleman seen this beautiful lady 
She dazzled them on all sides. When the king, just think of it, began to dance with her the whole evening. After he had danced with her all the evening, his majesty stopped, and she stood by her sisters. While she was at her sister's side, she drew out her handkerchief, and a bracelet fell out. Oh, signora, said the eldest sister, you have dropped this. Keep it for yourself, she said. Oh, if Cinderella were only here, who knows what might not have happened to her. The king had given orders that when this lady went away, they should find out where she lived. After she had remained a little, she left the ball. You can imagine whether the servants were on the lookout. She entered her carriage and away. She perceives that she is followed, takes the money, and begins to throw it out of the window of the carriage. The greedy servants, I tell you, seeing all that money, thought no more of her, but stopped to pick up the money. She returned home and went upstairs. Oh bird, Verdelio, make me homelier than I am. You ought to see how ugly, how horrid she became, all ashes. When the sisters returned, they cried, Cinderella! Oh, leave her alone, said her father. She is asleep now. Leave her alone. But they went up and showed her the large and beautiful bracelet. Do you see, you simpleton? You might have had it. It matters nothing to me. Their father said, Let us go to supper, you little geese. Let us return to the king, who was awaiting his servants, who had not the courage to appear, but kept away. He calls them. How did the matter go? They fall at his feet. Thus and thus, she threw out so much money. Wretches, you are nothing else, he said. Were you afraid of not being rewarded? Well, tomorrow evening, attention, under pain of death. The next evening, the usual ball. The sisters say, Will you come this evening, Cinderella? Oh, she says, don't bother me. I don't want to go. Their father cries out to them, How troublesome you are. Let her alone. So they began to adorn themselves, more handsomely than the former evening, and departed. Goodbye, Cinderella. When they had gone, Cinderella went to the bird and said, Little bird, Verdelio, make me more beautiful than I am. Then she became clothed in sea green, embroidered with all the fish of the sea, mingled with diamonds, more than you could believe. The bird said, Take these two bags of sand, and when you are followed, throw it out, and so they will be blinded. She entered her carriage and set out for the ball. As soon as his majesty saw her, he began to dance with her, and danced as long as he could. After he had danced as long as he could, she did not grow weary, but he did. She placed herself near her sisters, drew out her handkerchief, and there fell out a beautiful necklace, all made of coal. The second sister said, Signora, you have dropped this. She replied, Keep it for yourself. If Cinderella were here, who knows what might not happen to her. Tomorrow she must come. 
After a while, she leaves the ball. The servants, just think, under pain of death, were all on the alert and followed her. She began to throw out all the sand, and they were blinded. She went home, dismounted, and went upstairs. Little bird Verdelio, make me homelier than I am. She became frightfully homely. When her sisters returned, they began from below. Cinderella, if you only knew what that lady gave us. It matters nothing to me, but tomorrow evening you must go. Yes, yes, you would have had it. Their father says, let us go to supper and let her alone. You are really silly. Let us return to his majesty, who was waiting for his servants to learn where she lived. Instead of that, they were all brought back blinded and had to be accompanied. Rogue, he exclaimed. Either this lady is some fairy, or she must have some fairy who protects her. The next day, the sisters began. Cinderella, you must go this evening. Listen, it is the last evening. You must come. The father, oh, let her alone. You are always teasing her. Then they went away and began to prepare for the ball. When they were all prepared, they went to the ball with their father. When they had departed, Cinderella went to the bird. Little bird, Verelio, make me more beautiful than I am. Then she was dressed in all the colors of the heavens, all the comets, the stars and moon on her dress, and the sun on her brow. She enters the ballroom. Who could look at her? For the sun alone they lower their eyes and are all blinded. His majesty began to dance, but he could not look at her because she dazzled him. He had already given orders to his servants to be on the lookout under pain of death not to go on foot, but to mount their horses that evening. After she had danced longer than on the previous evenings, she placed herself by her father's side, drew out her handkerchief, and there fell out a snuff-box of gold, full of money. Signora, you have dropped this snuff-box. Keep it for yourself. Imagine that man. He opens it and sees it full of money. What joy! After she had remained a time, she went home as usual. The servants followed her on horseback, quickly, at a distance from the carriage, but on horseback that was not much trouble. She perceived that she had not prepared anything to throw that evening. Oh, she cried, what shall I do? She left the carriage quickly, and in her haste lost one of her slippers. The servants picked it up, took the number of the house, and went away. Cinderella went upstairs and said, Little bird, Verdelio, make me more homely than I am. The bird does not answer. After she had repeated it three or four times, it answered, Rogue, I ought not to make you more homely, but... And she became homely, and the bird continued, What are you going to do now? You are discovered. She began to weep in earnest. When her sisters returned, they cried, Cinderella! You can imagine that she did not answer them this evening. See what a beautiful snuff-box... 
If you had gone, you might have had it. I do not care. Go away. Then their father called them to supper. Let us now turn to the servants, who went back with the slipper and the number of the house. Tomorrow, said his majesty, as soon as it is day, go to that house. Take a carriage and bring that lady to the palace. The servants took the slipper and went away. The next morning they knocked at the door. Cinderella's father looked out and exclaimed, Oh heavens, it is his majesty's carriage. What does it mean? They open the door and the servants ascend. What do you want of me? asked the father. How many daughters have you? Two. Well, show them to us. The father made them come in there. Sit down, they said to one of them. They tried the slipper on her. It was ten times too large for her. The other one sat down. It was too small for her. But tell me, good man, have you no other daughters? Take care to tell the truth, because his majesty wishes it under pain of death. Gentlemen, there is another one, but I do not mention it. She is all in the ashes, the coals, if you should see her. I do not call her my daughter from shame. We have not come for beauty or for finery. We want to see the girl. Her sisters began to call her, Cinderella, but she did not answer. After a time, she said, What is the matter? You must come down. There are some gentlemen here who wish to see you. I don't want to come, but you must come, you see. Very well. Tell them I will come in a moment. She went to the little bird. Ah, little bird, Verdelio, make me more beautiful than I am. Then she was dressed as she had been the last evening, with the sun and moon and stars, and in addition, great chains all of gold everywhere about her. The bird said, Take me away with you. Put me in your bosom. She puts the bird in her bosom and begins to descend the stairs. Do you hear her? said the father. Do you hear her? She is dragging with her the chains from the chimney corner. You can imagine how frightful she will look. When she reached the last step and they saw her, Ah! Oh, they exclaimed and recognized the lady of the ball. You can imagine how her father and sisters were vexed. They made her sit down and tried on the slipper, and it fitted her. Then they made her enter the carriage and took her to his majesty, who recognized the lady of the other evenings. And you can imagine that all in love as he was, he said to her, Will you really be my wife? You may believe she consents. She sends for her father and sisters and makes them all come to the palace. They celebrate the marriage. Imagine what fine festivals were given at this wedding. The servants who had discovered where Cinderella lived were promoted to the highest positions in the palace as a reward. In the second class of stories alluded to above, the heroine flees in disguise from her home to avoid a marriage with her father or brother. The remainder of the story resembles Cinderella. The heroine reveals herself from time to time in her true form 
and finally throws off her disguise. The following story, which illustrates this class, is from the province of Vicenza, Corazzini, page 484, and is entitled 10. Fair Maria Wood There was once a husband and wife who had but one child, a daughter. Now it happened that the wife fell ill and was at the point of death. Before dying, she called her husband and said to him, weeping, I am dying. You are still young. If you ever wish to marry again, be mindful to choose a wife whom my wedding ring fits. And if you cannot find a lady whom it fits well, do not marry. Her husband promised that he would do so. When she was dead, he took off her wedding ring and kept it until he decided to marry again. Then he sought for someone to please him. He went from one to another, but the ring fitted no one. He tried so many, but in vain. One day, he thought of calling his daughter and trying the ring on her to see whether it fitted her. The daughter said, It is useless, dear father. You cannot marry me, because you are my father. He did not heed her, but put the ring on her finger, and saw that it fitted her well, and wanted to marry his daughter, Nolens Volens. She did not oppose him, but consented. The day of the wedding, he asked her what she wanted. She said that she wished four silk dresses, the most beautiful that could be seen. He, who was a gentleman, gratified her wish and took her the four dresses, one handsomer than the other, and all the handsomest that had ever been seen. Now, what else do you want? said he. I want another dress, made of wood, so that I can conceal myself in it. And at once he had this wooden dress made. She was well pleased. She waited one day until her husband was out of sight, put on the wooden dress, and under it the four silk dresses, and went away to a certain river not far off, and threw herself in it. Instead of sinking and drowning, she floated, for the wooden dress kept her up. The water carried her a long way. When she saw on the bank a gentleman, and began to cry, Who wants the fair Maria Wood? That gentleman who saw her on the water, and whom she addressed, called her, and she came to the bank and saluted him. How is it that you are thus dressed in wood, and come floating on the water without drowning? She told him that she was a poor girl, who had only that dress of wood, and that she wanted to go out to service. What can you do? I can do all that is needed in a house, and if you would only take me for a servant, you would be satisfied. He took her to his house, where his mother was, and told her all that had happened, saying, If you, dear mother, will take her as a servant, we can try her. In short, she took her, and was pleased with this woman, dressed in wood. It happened that there were balls at that place, which the best ladies and gentlemen attended. The gentleman who had the servant dressed in wood prepared to go to the ball, and after he had departed, the servant said to his mother, Do me this kindness, mistress. Let me go to the ball too, for I have never seen any dancing. 
What? You wish to go to the ball so badly dressed that they would drive you away as soon as they saw you? The servant was silent, and when the mistress was in bed, dressed herself in one of her silk dresses, and became the most beautiful woman that was ever seen. She went to the ball, and it seemed as if the sun had entered the room. All were dazzled. She sat down near her master, who asked her to dance, and would dance with no one but her. She pleased him so much that he fell in love with her. He asked her who she was and where she came from. She replied that she came from a distance, but told him nothing more. At a certain hour, without anyone perceiving it, she went out and disappeared. She returned home and put on her wooden dress again. In the morning, the master returned from the ball and said to his mother, Oh, if you had only seen what a beautiful lady there was at the ball. She appeared like the sun. She was so beautiful and well-dressed. She sat down near me and would not dance with anyone but me. His mother then said, Did you not ask her who she was and where she came from? She would only tell me that she came from a distance. But I thought I should die. I wish to go again this evening. The servant heard all this dialogue, but kept silent, pretending that the matter did not concern her. In the evening, he prepared himself again for the ball, and the servant said to him, Master, yesterday evening I asked your mama to let me, too, go to the ball, for I have never seen dancing. But she would not. Will you have the kindness to let me go this evening? Be still, you ugly creature. The ball is no place for you. Do me this favor, she said weeping. I will stand out of doors, or under a bench, or in a corner so no one shall see me, but let me go. He grew angry then, and took a stick, and began to beat the poor servant. She wept and remained silent. After he had gone, she waited until his mother was in bed, and put on a dress finer than the first, and so rich as to astonish, and away to the ball. When she arrived, all began to gaze at her, for they had never seen anything more beautiful. All the handsomest young men surround her and ask her to dance, but she would have nothing to do with anyone but her master. He again asked her who she was, and she said she would tell him later. They danced and danced, and all at once she disappeared. Her master ran here and there, asked one and another, but no one could tell him where she had gone. He returned home and told his mother all that had passed. She said to him, Do you know what you must do? Take this diamond ring, and when she dances with you, give it to her. And if she takes it, it is a sign that she loves you. She gave him the ring. The servant listened, saw everything, and was silent. In the evening, the master prepared for the ball, and the servant again asked him to take her, and again he beat her. He went to the ball, and after midnight, as before, the beautiful lady returned, more beautiful than before, and as usual, would dance only with her master. 
At the right moment, he took out the diamond ring and asked her if she would accept it. She took it and thanked him, and he was happy and satisfied. Afterward, he asked her again who she was and where from. She said that she was of that country, that when they speak of going to a ball, they are beaten on the head, and said no more. At the usual hour, she stopped dancing and departed. He ran after her, but she went like the wind, and reached home without his finding out where she went. But he ran so in all directions, and was in such suffering that when he reached home, he was obliged to go to bed more dead than alive. Then he fell ill, and grew worse every day, so that all said he would die. He did nothing but ask his mother and everyone if they knew anything of that lady, and that he would die if he did not see her. The servant heard everything, and one day, when he was very ill, what did she think of? She waited until her mistress' eye was turned, and dropped the diamond ring in the broth her master was to eat. No one saw her, and his mother took him the broth. He began to eat it, when he felt something hard, saw something shine, and took it out. You can imagine how he looked at it and recognized the diamond ring. They thought he would go mad. He asked his mother if that was the ring, and she swore that it was, and all happy, she said that now he would see her again. Meanwhile, the servant went to her room, took off her wooden dress, and put on one olive silk so that she appeared a beauty and went to the room of the sick man. His mother saw her and began to cry. Here she is, here she is. She went in and saluted him, smiling, and he was so beside himself that he became well at once. He asked her to tell him her story, who she was, where she came from, how she came, and how she knew that he was ill. She replied, I am the woman dressed in wood who was your servant. It is not true that I was a poor girl, but I had that dress to conceal myself in, for underneath it I was the same that I am now. I am a lady, and although you treated me so badly when I asked to go to the ball, I saw that you loved me, and now I have come to save you from death. You can believe that they stayed to hear her story. They were married and have always been happy, and still are.